Hello to everybody out there in radio slash podcast land. This is Matt from the Rub Wrestling Podcast. We're on episode number 18. We've been gone for a little bit. I hope you haven't missed us too much, but... uh, Actually, I I fucking really hope you do think that you missed us because that means that we have a lot more followers and a lot more people watching our podcast, which is the key, right? Uh, we got an action-packed episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about probably one of the best pay-per-views um, we've probably seen in the last five years in Wrestle Dream, which was a tribute to Antonio Inoki. Um, we're going to kind of just kind of cover uh, our thoughts about that, go over some of the main matches that were in there. Um, but basically, just to kick us off, like we always say, uh, if you can hit the follow or the subscribe button, you can basically find our pod anywhere that you can find us. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on YouTube. If you have any questions for us, rumors, or anything that you want, us to bring up on the show you can hit us up at the rub wrestling at outlook.com that is our uh basically our pod email address that you can hit us up at and uh you can feel free to do that at any time so um with that let's get to our illustrious panel chris your shirt is yellow you kind of look like curious george was that a book that you read when you were a kid uh, i did read curious george but uh i do uh as you guys know i i Worked for Cinefest, the local film festival, for eight years, and then I moved away. And then when I come back, came back, my boss brought me back in, so I, I work for them every year. So it's like a family. It's great. Uh, I don't know where I put the batteries in here. Nobody ever told me. <laughs> Just stay away from the man with the yellow hat. Let me tell you. Now, Josh, we talked about a little bit of Toronto Blue Jays on the last podcast, but I just wanted to tell you, and if Chris doesn't know, he's going to find out right now. I threw $50 on the Jays at plus $1,700, which is a $900 payout. Are they going to win the World Series, or am I an idiot? Can I jump in real quick? Sure. I don't think think that's that bad. Uh, That's all I want to say until Josh. I'll let Josh do the rest. No, I don't. I mean... For 50 bucks, it invests you in watching the Blue Jays. Hopefully, they win the first round, and then you know you get to continue to in, to uh, enjoy the playoffs. But I think that uh, they have a chance if it, you know playoff baseball, their uh, starters are healthy and their batters are relatively healthy. They just need to get the they just need to start hitting the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, they had the best starters in the AL, and their relief is is relatively good too. I think that they have a really good chance to to go the distance uh, as long as they uh, keep their heads on. It's funny when you kind of look at bets like that, eh, boys, and you kind of sit there and you're looking at it and you're like, plus 1,700. Seems like they can do it. <laughs> and just yeah, kind of go the, that underdog. When's the last time you saw Jordan Romano come out and then, like, give way to Jordan Hicks who just throws pure gas? Like, it's, I don't know. I, I say we have a chance. I think uh, I think they quietly put put together a pretty good team like we saw it in that extra innings game like they look pretty good oh man 100 mile per hour piss missiles going right over the (laughs) like you can't you can't f around with that at all like that guy's just got pure heat he's my dad's favorite pitcher my dad's been watching a lot of the jays this year and uh yeah so it'll be interesting we'll be talking about that in the intros of our podcast to come and if you don't like baseball go fuck yourself um but other than that what are we here to talk about we're here to talk about Wrestle Dream, and honestly, we're going to get into it in a second. We're going to talk about our, our initial thoughts of what we thought of the card, everything we saw. But again, a tribute to Antonio Inoki from Seattle, Washington, uh, basically last night. Um, I, I, it's just kind of, I'm just going to come out and say it. It has the wrestling world buzzing. And that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today. We're going to basically talk about our thoughts. We're going to give you the five matches that we thought were pretty good. There's one that uh, we can't talk about because some people didn't watch it or whatever but that's fine we'll uh we'll talk about that at a later date we'll we'll get him later but <clears throat> with that being said gentlemen i i already said it it was one of the best pay-per-views i think that i've seen in the last five years i don't think that there was a match probably below you know i don't know if you're gonna use star rating but if you use grade rating probably like under a b at this point um the Statlander Hart match was great for the TBS Championship. Kingston and Shibata was yeah. fantastic. There were some really good matches, even in Zero Hour. You know, uh, Casignoli and Josh Barnett. Nobody's seen Josh Barnett in forever, um, so it was interesting to see him. A little bit heavier, a little bit older, but can still uh, wrestle it up. Chris, tell us what your thoughts were about 
going into Wrestle Dream, did you think it was actually going to be as good as it was, or do you just think that this this pay per view just basically completely overperformed what they what you thought it was going to do? Yeah, I think it I think it punched above its weight class for sure. I think uh, on paper what we saw wasn't exactly what we got. Um, I think we got a lot better. Um, even like you guys are mentioning Barnett, like I'm, I guess the resident, the resident MMA guy who knows a little bit more about that than you guys do, but like seeing Barnett get in there and, and like, it was good. They put it on zero hour. It, that wouldn't be a match that you want on the main card. Like just cause there is catch, catch wrestling and shoot wrestling, right? The whole time. Um, that was, it was I didn't even know Barnett was on the card until I got to my friend's house yesterday. He said, uh, or <laughs> not McPherson, but he said Barnett's wrestling. And I'm like, oh, no way. Still still not like the, you know, he's not the best physique, but he looked a little gassed too. But it looks like it's not over between them, those two. So, I mean, for, uh, for zero hour cards, I thought it was a better zero hour card than I've seen in a while. Yeah, you know what? We'd have to agree with the zero hour card. I mean, you know what? We really got to kind of see a few different things there. We got to see Nick Wayne basically out of out of Seattle, uh, really get a shot against Luchasaurus, um, and kind of Nick Wayne. We'll we'll be hearing about him a little bit later on. Um, but you know, <clears throat> even get to to be able to see uh, the 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 mighty don't kneel. Um, you know, I get to see like Shane Hayes and those guys, they were, they were, they were, uh, in a pretty good trios match with the acclaimed, um, you know, Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty and, uh, against, you know, uh, Kojima, Keith Lee, and even having Kojima on the card was still pretty cool. And then Athena and Billy Starks. And, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, it it was a true zero R, but it was better than most that we've seen. Um, <clears throat> Josh kind of pretty much kind of close to the same question. Did this really kind of wet the whistle for you for AEW? I mean, I don't think it's going to be a slicer salami. There might be stuff in there that's a slicer salami, but would you say that um, they effectively hit a home run with this pay-per-view? Yeah, I think they did. Um, I still, the length just kills me, but uh, that's just because it's hard to uh, watch a whole Sunday pay-per-view and not fall asleep when you're old and just finished your strike and <laughs> sorry to cut exhausting. sorry to cut sorry to cut you off but i traveled 35 minutes to get home from where i was watching initially and when i got home mcpherson's like it's basically just the start of the pay-per-view <laughs> and <I> was, <laughs> i'm gonna actually cut it's you so off true. there too because it's funny because it's funny that you used to live in toronto and you think that 35 minutes is a long drive Oh, I could never, I could never do that in Toronto. I'd have to take the streetcar. I'd, I'd miss the whole pay per view. Here, I just <laughs> drive home. <laughs> I was at, like, oh, it was great. It was out of camping. He had his, uh, he had a projector with a screen going down too. It was great. <laughs> things, it, things we all need to yeah. do. Josh, continue. I, I think, I mean, it was a great. It's great, and and that's the thing that I that I love about AEW is that they really produce high quality matches, especially in their pay-per-views, whether or not they fit a story or I, you know, it's not always the case, but that's not what this pay-per-view was about. It wasn't necessarily about, you know, keeping storylines going and it did keep a lot of storylines going, but I was, yeah, it's uh, it's so amazing that uh, you get to see this quality of wrestling consistently. And uh, you know, it's something that I've been, wanting to see for quite a quite a long time and it's a reason why i consistently watch AEW over wwe yeah it's really unique to kind of watch um and and you know what um you know i'm gonna say i'm gonna talk about the wwe a little bit with no mercy and i thought that the production value was unbelievable on the weekend and there was a couple banger matches there i mean uh trick williams and <laughs> dominic mysterio was pretty good uh becky lynch and stratton had a had a hell of a match again Hayes and dragon off was probably is probably gonna end up probably as a five-star match um, and that was a great card, but this card, when you looked at it, just kind of, for me, blew it out of the water. I think if you took the best match on that WWE card, we're probably talking about three matches on this AEW card. And again, I trust me, for anybody out there that's listening, I, I understand that that is complete perception for what you say, and it, we're not trying to antagonize. It's just really showing that, in a lot of cases, people are saying AEW is not competition for WWE. And trust me when we say they absolutely are. <laughs> when you're putting out bangers and you're signing people, um, this isn't Impact. This isn't even WCW from what we've seen. WCW had a lot of money, but you're, you're seeing something completely different here. We're, we're not seeing a changing of the guard, but we're seeing the, the relevance finally 
probably in the last 10 years of a true competitor to the WWE. And that is a great thing for the business of professional wrestling. Um, this card had it all for me. Um, and Josh, I completely agree with you. I mean, when you start a card at seven o'clock and it ends at 12 or whatever it is, 1145, that's five hours of wrestling. I mean, great bang for your buck for the, uh, the 3999 us that you pay to get it. Um, but I, I think I even had to leave at one point. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to come back and watch this match later. And that's and that's what I did. Um, because you need to have a little bit of a break in there. And with a card this stacked, there really wasn't a break match. And that's one of the first times we can say that for an AEW pay-per-view where we're just like, it was just banger after banger. And some of the matches didn't even really look like bangers, but they ended up being really well done. And, um, you know, kudos to the talent. Like, they should be extremely proud. MJF in the presser last night said everybody had one hell of a match and I completely agree with him. And, and, uh, he sat there and watched every single match he said. So he, he was enthralled by the whole thing. So, um, my, my initial thoughts, you're looking at this from a pay-per-view level for the value of what you pay for everything that that's, it's an A plus for me. It's never going to be perfect. Like, I don't think you're ever going to have a perfect pay-per-view, but I'd probably even put this card up against some of the WrestleMania, some of the SummerSlams and WWE, and they, they would hold the candle to some of those massive um cards and to even go out this might even be a better uh, a better result than what we've seen at wembley right chris go ahead yeah there's there's no smoke break matches no you no, just had a drive even, home match like, that you had to, a drive home match that you had to rewatch. <laughs> well no like mcpherson was telling me what was happening during the match which is great because i'm like just make sure you tell me what happens but even like the statlander match like that it's a great match like every there's there's nothing for us to kind of take a break for. No, and you know what? I think for a lot of people with Julia Hart, they were kind of thinking maybe it's, you know, thinking of two years ago, Julia Hart, um, when she was with, um, you know, uh, Varsity Blondes. Um, and she was with Griff and she was with Brian Pillman Jr. And, um, and this was a totally different Julia Hart. This is a Julia Hart that's learning her trade. This is a Julia Hart that's learning from some of the best in the business in the House of Black, if that's who she's learning from. But whatever she's doing. I thought doing, she did just, great. She did fantastic. Yeah, um, and against a woman who's much bigger than her. And, and, and that can be a struggle for a smaller wrestler sometimes, really can. I mean, unless you're Darby and you're flying around, like, bouncing off of shit and trying to break your neck every two seconds, it makes it very difficult to be a smaller wrestler. But we don't want to spoil it too much for you. We're going to start talking about some of the matches over card. We're going to highlight uh, five of the best matches on the card. And we're not going to beat around the bush. Usually, if you want, you've listened to our podcast, you've listened on YouTube, or you listen on anything that you listen to, Spotify, whatever it is, you always know that we try to leave the main event to the end. But we can't contain ourselves. we got to talk about basically the main event, which was a kind of an, a little bit of an odd choice, which was Christian Cage. And Darby Allen, which is Darby Allen's hometown of Seattle, Washington, um, in a two out of three falls match um, for the TNT title. So a little odd, kind of said, kind of made people guess uh, when they heard that in the zero hour. But um, Chris, I, I don't really know how to say it. I mean, we're going to start off with I want I want to talk about the match with you a little bit, and you can kind of cut in when we get to Josh's question because I know you're going to have a couple things there too. But this ended up being a much more brutal match than uh, I think we've seen in a long time. Um, the ripping apart of the ring, uh, basically the usage of the stats, just Darby Allen's like, um, what is it? His uh, basically not caring about anything living or his own life at any which point. <laughs> I mean, this match had all the storytelling you could possibly think of. Um, what were your thoughts on this match? And, um, you know, especially with the Nick Wayne turn at the very end and, and there's just so many things that happened. What were your overall opinions of watching this match? And, and, um, were the swerves enough for uh, any wrestling fan to really be turned on to AEW after watching it? I don't know if any, if any wrestling fan is like a wrestling fan, like me, I fucking loved it. Like it, it, it was so good. Nick Wayne turning. And then, you know, you could see at the end of the match when there was the beatdown, you knew something was coming and you knew it was Edge. And you knew it was Edge. And I, I knew it was Edge and I still got goosebumps. Like, I still, as soon as I saw that car drive by the rated R thing, I'm like, oh, you you better, you're goddamn right. You're goddamn right Edge is coming here. Like, it was, <laughs> it was just, it was such a good card. Like, even... Just the way he he blew kisses at at Nick Wayne's mom and stuff, and then Nick Wayne turned and he was all of a sudden with Christian Cage, and then, uh, I mean, 
if you if you want to talk to me about kind of like the ending of pay-per-views this is probably one of the best ones i've seen and i i'll give it like a good five five ten years like this was a really good way to end your pay-per-view yeah and surprisingly you know what with tony sometimes he's kind of dropped the ball in that area every now and then and you know what like it was just for me um it was just the little things you know it was the timing of the turn you know him coming out at the very end after already wrestling luchasaurus and having the loss but i think the key and the glue that tied it all together was nick wayne's mother who sat in the front row for five hours just to be part of the payoff of the main event and And we got our payoff we got our payoff with her right Absolutely. And the screams like, Nick, what are you doing? How could you do this? Yada, yada, yada. And even to the presser with Christian, who never breaks character, basically saying, you know what? Nick's Nick's not a great wrestler, but he's a good boy. Like, <laughs> like just, just, just little things like that. And he's going to be good. And, you know, just going on and on and just like just watching like i mean josh i it, like one of the things i know that grinds your gears was that like um when they pull out the stretcher right but that stretcher ended up if that doesn't get pulled out we don't have the frog splash on the stretcher we don't have half the stuff that kind of happens with that it right? had to and happen so, it had to happen yeah but see yeah. that's the thing is that i don't mind when it happens when it has an effect like that yeah. right like that's when it's part of the story it's no longer cave like it's like i don't like it when they fake the kayfabe piece of it and yeah. uh but yeah, it was definitely it was it just set up the spot and it also gave him time to take the fucking ring apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, uh yeah, just just the whole thing was nuts. Now, Josh, I, I have um I have a funny question for uh, it's not probably not even really a funny question. It's actually a morbid question. And then the second question is probably more of kind of getting into that match. Um, does Darby Allen live past thirty <laughs> seven? I think I think he I think he does because he doesn't do hard drugs. Like I don't think he kills himself. He might uh, break his neck, but I I don't think he dies. I think that you know if anything, he just gets a really bad injury that he can't recover from at some point. Yeah, it's it's, it's so funny because I mean you look when you watch Mick Foley now and watching Darby scares me and it like it almost to the point where it's visceral like it's it, it seems really weird but like there were times where I was watching that match and I'm like I know he protected his neck I know he protected this and I'm like it just looks so visceral I'm like I, I start thinking of what he's what's gonna happen to him ten years from now like that's the craziest part for me now Josh I don't know is if, he uh, that good of, though who like is he that good to protect himself where he can. Kind of have a think, longer, longer career. I think in a lot of cases he takes a lot of he takes a lot of shots on his arms and he takes a lot of shots on his shoulders. And really, if those two things can hold up for him, I think he's okay. The problem is he's taking impact that guys that are two hundred and some pounds have a tough time taking, and he's at one seventy five or one eighty five, which I think is even bullshit. I think he's at like one sixty. Um, and you know, it takes like basically takes takes somebody who's one hundred sixty pounds like me to know that. Um, but other than that, when you look at a lot yeah. of stuff, yeah, see, good laughs, guys. Anyway, I knew I'd get a laugh out of it. Shut up. <laughs> it was so casual, beautiful. Um, but uh, I'm a big man. But um, with that to be said, yes. But uh, with we that being said, I think are. when you're looking at him, like it, it really, it legitimately scares me when you go through. Now, Josh, there's so many factors and moving parts, and uh, obviously Edge coming in just provides so many different ways. For him to go, and especially with Dynamite, he's going to take on Luchasaurus on Wednesday night. We're filming on a Monday. Um, what what do you see as Edge pro- projection to the company? Do you foresee him, um, you know, having that world title run right away, or do you foresee him like really being kind of like this this mentor and just looking towards having good matches because he's already done it all? Um, where what? How do you think that Edge fits in AEW? He's mentioned that he's he's here for. Um, Probably not a long time, but for a fun time and just really wanting to get back to having fun. Like, is that enough or where do you see him fitting in this uh, this masterful puzzle that is AEW at this point? I I just think that he looks at AEW like he is now going to have this artistic freedom that he gets to express himself and he gets to do things that he'd never be able to do in the WWE again. Um, he and then also... With Christian being there, you know, like, is this kind of them leading to their retirement together? I'm not sure. But I I really see that Edge is kind of like similar to Brian Danielson coming over. Is that like the 
it's not just about the money. The money is 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 super important, but the fact that they get to express themselves uh, the way that they want at the end of their career, not booked by Vince McMahon or Triple H, or and also be able to be the stars of a promotion as opposed to you know being the guys who are getting pushed out of the promotion and like looked over for things, then you know they get to retell their stories and i'm really looking forward to it because christian and edge uh, christian and adam copeland haven't uh, been together in a very long time and i think that that story uh you know the fans really deserve to see that story and they're both in really good shape right now and it, it looks great and in that match just like christian's psychological you know like warfare like the, the his in ring ability and his like the cycle the psychology that he has in his matches outstanding like just the 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 spot with the turtleneck like he wears that turtleneck because it's like I don't know I mean it does I don't know why he wears it but I just love it but like the way that he he had it pulled over for the pin it was that was masterful and then you know when he did the frog splash onto the on, onto the stretcher and the, the spring in it. And even even when they had it looked like they had that miss, like the botch with yep. the stairs the first time, because it yep. like it looked like they didn't set the stairs up close enough. But what it did was it allowed him to be even more like that much more like visceral, that you know, that demeaning. And, you know, it was I don't know, Darby Allen, like you could just kind of you might I might have heard him say just like just do it. And like, because he picked him up again and he had to change it. It was going to be a suplex. And then the suplex wasn't working for some reason. Maybe one of them had an abdominal injury. I don't know. But it just was, wow. Yeah. And you know what? Like, it's it's funny because, Chris, I mean, you know, we look back like when we were growing up and we're looking at like tapes on what you would watch to, to like really understand the wrestling business and to see somebody's progression and how good they can get. I think nowadays, like, I think if we were ever to teach, I think we'd probably look at Christian's progression from his WWE days when he was in his 20s to now as one of the best wrestling progressions. He gets better with every year he gets older. It's the fucking weirdest thing. It's like Benjamin Button, of all things, Mm. and he just gets better. He's like a fine wine. He just gets better with age, right? Like, it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And um, when you go back to... Well, right, I agree three, with you in everything you just said right there. Yeah. Like, Christian just gets better. The more you let him run, the more you let him run with, like, his own idea. Like, the, the tweets he sends out, happy, like, I hope all your fathers are okay. Like, it's... Like when he, it's even the little things when he was like, even in the presser, Chris, like even before that, it's like Luchasaurus wins the title. This is my title. It's like just the things, like anything to make somebody hate them. And then they call them out and they go, all the people that you like talk about, their mothers, fathers, grandfathers, they're all dead. He goes, and he just goes, duh. (laughs) Like he just knows exactly what to do. He he like tells a story about Darby Allen's uncle driving drunk and dying. Like it's crazy. He's he's like he's the heel. He's 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 the prototype now. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's it's like it's uh, it's almost for me. He's almost on world title pace, and it's so odd to say that. And he doesn't even need it. Like he just <laughs> just insane. He can he can bring the best out of any face to the point where it's ridiculous. But um, that match rating, I I don't know, guys. I I gave that match for storytelling and everything. I don't know, Chris. What'd you rate the match? I rated it an A plus. Uh, yeah, I agree. A plus for me too. Um, just because Matt was a dick last time and went off board and said S, I'm going to say S. I actually just changed it and actually said it's probably an S, but I'll, I'll stick with my A plus. You can have the S, Josh. <laughs> okay, we start at the back of the card, or sorry, the main event of the card. And we're gonna rewind back to the very, very front of the card. Um, you know, so we have that. That psychological match, and now we're moving to back to the front with MJF uh, against um, who the hell are they again? Oh man, the Righteous! Oh man, the Righteous! Why did I forget? I I feel so bad that I can never remember their name, but I never forget Vincent out of all people because Vincent was in the original, uh, sorry, the second version of the Kingdom, right? And did a great job in that. And he's phenomenal as a psychopath. But anyways, MJF versus the Righteous for the ROH Tag Team Titles. Adam Cole not around. Why? Because he basically broke his ankle in three people, in three pieces. And Josh, what do, what do you so what do you always say? It's a work. 
Yeah, probably could be a work. So we actually have uh, some interesting things that we'll talk about this because we've been off air for about a week and a half. So um, we we talk about that psychological match that basically Christian and, and Darby Allen had that violent match. And we go into this, which was a lot more comedic. It was a comedic opener. And like this had basically everything. You look at MJF, I'd probably say like this is probably one of the perfect examples of sports entertainment. I wouldn't say wrestling ability, but I would say for this, this was sports entertainment as finest, and MJF did a fantastic job. Now, Chris, it's kind of weird. We're going to talk about um, just Adam Cole for a second. Obviously, Cole's not there. Um, we've been hearing rumblings on the internet right now where, um, especially after what happened, I believe it was on, was it on Dynamite or Collision? I think it was Dynamite last uh, last Wednesday, where basically... MJF and Jay White have a promo. He basically calls Jay White Tofu, which is a great nickname. I think it's fantastic. Um, And basically, Jay White, then as a heel, gets beaten up in the back by four guys and basically somebody wearing a devil mask. So a lot of people are trying to find Easter eggs, and they've found a lot. Now, do you think Adam Cole is the person that's behind the devil mask in this situation? And that this whole thing is a complete work with his broken ankle, because let's even face it, Britt Baker posted a picture of it, too, of the x-ray. How good is this shit? Like, how good is this? Like, this is so good. We we all thought, we all, so we, we talked to each other, like, in our in our own, like, text messages. We all thought, we all thought Edge was showing up as a masked man, right? Yeah. So, like, look at how, this is what AEW does. This is why it's such a better company than WWE. Like, I know it's cut even though I know it's coming from AEW, I like I get goosebumps after like when it comes. But yeah, so I I think it's a legit injury. I think I told you guys I said that I said that that cast looks pretty pretty sus. (laughs) Like (laughs) just a bunch of like like scotch tape over like a bunch of like compressions compression stuff. But yeah, Brett Baker showed his his injury. I think he's pretty injured. There's no, I I've broken my ankle a couple times. You can't you can't go do shit. But oh man, I'm know. steering just, away from I'm steering away from questions at this point. Josh, you think that it's a work? Argue this point. You think oh, that it's a I work? You, a work? I know you think it's cold. Don't you lie to me either. Uh, I mean, it can't I think be, it, can't be. I don't, I. I could argue why it could be Cole. I I do I did watch him get injured, and I think that it is a legit injury. But I hope it's a fucking. I hope it's a work. I I like it when it's a work. So I would say that you have to look at why was it Jay White, and Jay White doesn't make sense for very many people to attack. He's a heel. He should be the one who's getting attacked. So unless he's having a face push, so. What I speculate is Kyle O'Reilly returns and uh, Adam Cole attacks with um, Roddy Strong and those other two Mama Lukes. I don't, I don't know what they're called, but I th- those are the. But David it didn't look Bennett. like it. It, it, it. Like it, it did. The, the guys who attacked didn't look like that group. One of the guys looked like Daniel Garcia, like their body type. But I mean, it, it doesn't really matter who's masked because they can make it whoever they want. And somebody's left-handed too. I knew it wasn't Edge because Edge's—I mean, Edge couldn't have been in the mask because he was still under contract. It didn't mean that he couldn't have been the masked man, but uh, I don't know. I—I I don't think the masked person is Adam Cole. Um, Isn't this crazy though? Be. Like we don't know who it, who it is. We thought it was going to be Edge for a bit. <laughs> I think for a lot. I think for a lot of the time when we're looking at it too, I think one of the things to really say is that basically Kyle O'Reilly's been off the shelf for a year and he's pretty well hidden, right? So when you look at four guys and Yadin, Yadin, Strong, Taven, and Bennett, who likes to Bennett likes to punch people in the wiener for uh, for neck awareness, just letting everybody know that as a reminder. Um, you pretty much have something new, and I think what ends up potentially happening here is that Kyle O'Reilly is a really good fit, and I think he's a name that really hasn't been thrown a lot around a lot on the internet. Um, it makes more sense for it to be Cole, but at the end, Kyle O'Reilly was doing some really good work with AEW, and he's probably in the upper mid card, and some he was in a lot of main events for them before he got he went down with injuries and just wear and tear. Right? We uh, talked about neck. him showing up at, at Wembley. In yeah, the pod, was, uh, we've talked about it. Oh, for sure. 
And I think like uh, we can't. I don't, I don't think he's somebody that you forget about. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with uh, with Cole. And the storyline is is not done um, with the match itself. Basically, MJF uh, did a comedic job. Basically, ran over the righteous to the point where I actually felt bad for them because they picked up two really big wins on Dynamite and Collision before going out there. And I don't think you're going to have a better chance of, of winning the, the ROH tag titles, but I really hope Tony kind of gives them a, uh, I think the word is like kind of gives them a receipt or a check that they can cash in later to, to get the titles back. Cause I, I honestly believe that the, the body of work, like we often forget about the crazy psychopaths. And I think like a lot of them, like back in nineties wrestling and two thousands, a lot of them were there. You had like the really kind of the psychological guys like Raven and the flock and, you know, you had, you know, different groups that, that really kind of like, um, sounds really stupid, Chris. I'm going to bring up like somebody like Midian. I never thought I'd say Midian on a wrestling cast, but kind of the guys that just kind of went loopy. And Vincent and Dutch do such an amazing job with it. And also f- don't forget Stu Grayson's with them too. Um, you know, they have the ability. I, I to- looked them up. I looked them up recently and I saw like, like their promos are good. And, and, uh, what's his name? The, the bigger guy with the sunglasses. He's like huge. Yeah, he's a big boy, and 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 you know what? Like they're they they're they're actually good wrestlers. Like like I said, Vincent, if if you watched ROH before, was was in the second version of the Kingdom with Taven and Bennett, and then he went fucking crazy, and then that was the storyline that broke them up, right? So and then he ended up being the righteous, but kind of a little bit of a shame for that when you go through. But um, Chris, how'd you rate the match overall when you looked at it? Like if you were to give a grading and a little bit of a description, how'd you feel about watching it as the opener? Uh, I, I think I called it, I call it with Nick Fierce and I said, this will probably be the opener. Like I, 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 I assume this would be the opener to bring them two out. But I, I thought like as a whole, like the match went over pretty well. Like even, um, MJF kind of didn't get in the rub, but they kind of, he kind of, he sold for them. Like they look good. Like he, he didn't make them look like jerks, I guess, like in there. Cause he knows he's going to win. Everybody knows he's going to win. Right. So I don't know. I thought, I thought the match as a whole wasn't too bad of a match. And I, I thought it could have gone a lot, a lot worse, like to open a pay-per-view. Yeah. Josh, what was, uh, how, how would you rate the match? What would you give it as a grading? If you were to look at it, like your own grading, um, and, um, you know, just whatever, whatever your main thought was watching it. I mean, I think the match was exactly what it was supposed to be. It, you know, gets the crowd warmed up. Uh, it's entertaining. So, like, for me, that's not the type of match I'm looking for, but it was entertaining. Uh, so, you know, like, it was probably a, a solid B for me. But if you were, if you're, if you're bringing a casual fan, this is, this match would probably be more entertaining for you than the Brian Danielson, Zack Sabre Jr. match. But like, which is a much better match, in my opinion. But I think that uh, this match was it did exactly what it was. And Matt, I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with MJF going over the way that he did, but it it kind of does feel like it buries them a little bit. It devalues what who they are as a tag team, especially getting those two big wins, like you were saying. I know I, everybody knew that MJF was going to win. And I love what MJF calls his shots when he's like, I'm going to take his dreadlocks. And he's like, white guy with dreadlocks. That's kind of weird, you know? And he's like, I'm going to take his dreadlocks and shove it up his ass. And then he's like, and then I'm going to body slam him. And then he proceeds to do it, which is, you know, great because he's done that, you know, with Darby Allen. He's done that. He proceeds to do it. (laughs) Yeah, like he does it. He does it every time, right? So like he, whenever he does it and it's good. And that stupid kangaroo, you know, kick, like he, he... MJF is doing exactly what he needs to do to become, I mean, he already is the face of this company, but if he wants to move to WWE, showing them he can do it because, you know, like, like The Rock, you know, he had a funny spot, but he was a megastar, right? Like, you know, the the kangaroo kick is MJF's funny spot and it's so over. Yeah, you know, I think I think at the end of the day, I think you hit it right on the head. I think the credibility there is a little bit lost, right, with that loss. But I think at the end of the day, like, I mean, 
you kind of look at what MJF can bring to the table, and he can bring everything. And one of the things I think the storyline is going to bring is I think the minute that the person, whoever it is, calls, whether it be Cole on the swerve or whether it be somebody else, the minute that they call MJF a joke is the minute that he turns back in and reverts into something way worse. He has the ability to be the number one face, number one heel, and go whatever way he wants and wherever the storyline dictates. And what that gives Tony is versatility. And not many world champions can do that. Like, honestly, like, Seth Rollins is going to do his thing where he kind of goes, oh, and, like, he's great on the mic, and he can change it up, but you can't change your persona when you're that persona to something else in, in a matter of a week. MJF can do it in a matter of a week. And that we haven't seen it. We haven't yeah, seen a champ like MJF for a while. Like, he can... He's, make, he's making his bones right now in a league that's considered second tier, and he's... Oh. He's in movies now. He's in that Von Eric movie. Yep. Which will be yeah, a, which so. is going to be. I was showing it to you that uh, my partner the other day about that Zach Efron is Carrie Von Eric, which is kind of yeah. fucking nuts. Um. So yeah, it'll be interesting, and uh, I think you know time will tell where it goes from here. And I don't think we're done talking about this topic on the podcast. But with that being said, um, we're gonna move into a couple of uh, one six man tag. We're gonna talk about a, a tag team championship match. And then we're gonna go into our uh, what I think majority of us might have thought to be the match of the evening. Um. So the third match is we're gonna talk about the six man between uh, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Or Chris Jericho and the Golden Lovers versus uh, Takeshita Guevara and Will Ospreay with head of the family Don Callis um, on the side. So, guys, I don't know. This was another banger. Um, this was a match where, you know, kind of had a lot of stuff going for it. Like, basically, Don and Takeshita went to Japan, beat the ever loving shit out of Kota Ibushi in his dojo. They basically, get Kota to come out for this match. Um, Josh, you're looking at this as a six-man tag. A lot of big names in this match. Who did you think was the all-star that basically brought it to the table for this match all the way through? Do you, th- do you have an all-star for this? Uh, you know what? I don't. I think that there was. I mean, there was most of the most of the time the wrestlers did great. I think that the, the match worked really well together um, as a trios match and. Koto Ibushi, you know, had a few spots that were a little tough for me, but I, I didn't realize he was agile as he was, he is as agile as he was. Um, so I, I thought it was, it was a fantastic match. Will Offspray, uh, huge. <laughs> I mean, I could just watch him wrestle all day. Even Sammy Guevara, uh, he had that huge shooting star press, which was pretty fucking crazy. Um, it looked a little late. Um, and then the, uh, was it the Atomico Swanton yeah. was pretty impressive. I, and I mean, I don't know. I pretty much, I, I was impressed with everybody. Even Jericho did the spots that he needed to do. Um, and Takeshita, Takeshita is a great athlete. I, I think it's interesting that what was, I was reading that Kenny Omega has lost like in the last three pay-per-views or he's consistent. He's lost taking the, not, he didn't take the pinfall in this one, right? It was a Jericho that took the pinfall. Uh, Guevara. Um, yeah. Guevara pinned Jericho yeah. for the win. But it was just, I don't know. It, it was a, it was a, a, a very entertaining match. I think that trios is pretty much the most wrestlers I want to see in a match to get a good rating. It's hard to get an A rating in a, a with any more than three on each team. So I thought it was fantastic. The, uh, just, just a couple of stumbles by Ibushi. But other than that, this, this match was, you know, the tops, but I'd say that like probably Omega and offspree were probably my favorites, but you know, Sammy, Sammy Guevara had two of the bigger spots as well. So, yeah, you know what? It's really funny when you kind of go through it and you kind of see Kota Ibushi after, you know, wrestling only three matches in the last three years, he doesn't have his, um, you kind of look at his physique, and not that I'm body shaming by any means, but you look at his physique when he was the NJPW champion compared to now, he just doesn't have it anymore. I find that he's he's more in a training aspect. He's getting older, he's had some injuries, and I think he's kind of starting to slow down and his career's winding down a little bit. Um, but with that being said, like, I mean, looking at um, the two young guns in that in that match being, you know, Guevara and, uh, you know, Takeshita, I think they really held their own. And I think they solidified themselves as, um, you know, big players, upper card players by watching this match. Uh, Takeshita is a is a goddamn monster. 
Um, he doesn't have to speak great English. He could just be this Japanese assassin that everybody like wants him. Uh, you know, and Guevara is going to be a big mouth. Um, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a couple of people last night and I, like I said, we've all know that I hate Sammy Guevara, but I hate him for other reasons. And, but I said, he's much better. He's more relatable as a heel because I, I find that because everybody just wants to hate him. They don't really want to like him for anything. Um, they just, they want a reason to hate that guy. Like he's a pretty boy. He just high flies and, and that's, that's pretty much it. But him getting the win over Jericho is, is massive. Um, for me, it was great to see Jericho pull out the, you know, the lion salt and, um, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, there was a couple of mistakes in that match when we went through, but I think overall, like it was, it was really well done. Now, Chris, um, wh- how did you feel about Don Callis really getting himself involved? Like, is 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 Don Callis the number one heel in the company? Yeah, he's close. You gotta you gotta put him up there, right? Like the whole the whole chant before the match is "fuck you, Callis" the whole time. <laughs> and I mean, it was a great match. I I I like the match, but uh, yeah, like Callis, it's crazy how much he can do as a manager. Like how much he can bring into the storyline. The brown no the brown noise for the entrance once again. And then the whole picture is just like the <laughs> is just like the the godly family with Don Callis as God himself. It's, a, it's the Last Supper. Yeah, like this is it's great. It's great. This is what I watch it for. Like I want to see stuff like that. I don't want to see. Yeah, I guess I guess this is why we turn into a pro AEW right AEW podcast because like none of this fun stuff is in is in the WWE. Like, we don't get a chance to see this. Like, they put a, a picture of the Last Supper up there with Don Callis' God. <laughs> like, come I, on I think it, I think I think you got two different sets of fans. And one thing I really want this podcast and uh, to be is not like what we see on the internet where it's like we're anti-WWE. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely give WWE its due where it comes through. But right now, we're really enjoying the AEW product. And I think that that's really important, too, is that when... You know, I mean, we've we've had basically three months of a lot of pay-per-views that have come out in PLEs. Um, but, I mean, are we going to find... There's the, an the obvious one of- who's ahead of the game, though, right now. AEW's starting to be ahead of the game again. Yeah, for sure. And it means that... It doesn't mean that we're... To, for anybody that listens for WWE, we're not going to cut that stuff. It's just... At the end of the day, like you're not going to see the caliber of what we saw last night. So um, anybody that's going to send us messages about uh, hating one company or the other, we're not going to read them. Just to let you guys know. So don't fucking do it. But hey, hey Josh, Matt, I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. Um, I noticed when with Sammy Guevara and his heat, it's kind of like Dominic Mysterio esque. Like, do you think that he's trying to push his heat so hard that he can get booed? even harder than Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be the goal right now. I think if you look at Dominic Mysterio's heel heat, I think any heel in the business would want it. Why wouldn't you want the heat that he gets to not be able to speak, to have like, to be like whatever he has with Rhea Ripley. I mean, I, you know, it was unfortunate that Dominic lost the title at, uh, at no mercy, but it's just one of those things where it kind of gives the opportunity for Dom to go back on the on the on the main roster and gives let's Trek Williams have a little bit of the spotlight, right? Um, but I think anybody would kill to have that heat or Christian heat or anything like that. So um, oh, is he trying Christian. to compete? Is he trying oh, to compete? Sorry. sorry, Chris. Is he trying to compete with Dominic Mysterio? I don't know. He might be, but I, I don't think so. I think Sammy Guevara is trying to get as much Sammy Guevara heat that he can with an AW crowd. Chris, go for it. it- well, I just uh, it's it's hard to get that heat that Dom Dom gets. Like it's like unless you're going out of your way to do it, like it's hard to get that heat. Like he's he's got heat that we haven't seen heat like this in years. Like it's nope. it's been a while. So yeah, I I think he'd be better off not not trying to follow that path. If you ask me, I think yeah, Sammy sure. Guevara Sammy Guevara does get his own heat. Like a lot of people hate Sammy Guevara just because he's Sammy Guevara. So. And I think like with all the stuff that happened and him kind of going in and out and then, you know what, I think one of the worst mistakes that he made was when they were doing the four pillars match that he kind of switched to trying to be a face. And now I feel that now he's solidified himself as a heel. We might actually see the best work from Sammy Guevara moving forward. He's he's a dickhead through and through. He's an arrogant little fucking prick that you want to see his face get bashed in every two seconds. That's that's what we want from a heel. 
right? At the end of the day. And I really setting- felt you there, Matt. I really felt that. You yeah, really good. You said he was a prick like you knew him. Yeah, well, I mean, but the, I'm talking about the character he portrays, but at the end of the day, it's not like my, my episode two or whatever where I said I fucking hate the guy. I just, I just, uh, he's not my favorite. He's not my favorite worker um, at the end of the day, but I give him credit where credit is due. He's extremely talented, but I don't believe him as a world champion. And I think he believes himself as being a world champion in every promotion. And I just don't agree with it. So that's my final say on that. <laughs> but. With the six-man, unbelievable match. If you get a chance to watch it and you haven't, watch it. But with the six-man, it kind of led into a couple other matches. Um, We actually had an eight-man tag. Um, We're not going to talk about that, but we know that the Young Bucks did win the, uh, sorry, the, um, oh, man, basically the the four-way tag match, um, basically to select number one contenders. And basically they were going to face the winners at a later date of FTR and Aussie Open. Chris, we know that you're a massive fan of Aussie Open. Um, we've talked about them on the pod before. Um, come from NJPW. Um, basically, they were in uh, the United Empire. Um, two Aussie guys, Davis and Fletcher. Um, did they really have to perform here? Did it feel like it was this was a make or break night again for them against FTR for the uh, for the tag team championships? I'm not saying win or win or lose. We know that FTR uh, did get the win in this match, but did they do enough to solidify themselves as one of the stronger upper echelon uh, upper echelon tag teams in AEW? Yeah, I'd say 100. percent I thought they did great. I, like they. They, they have the perfect blend of the smaller guy who can do the bigger stuff, but then he's, he's what? He's like six, seven, the, the, even the smaller guy. So then they yeah, have these big boys. <laughs> what was the name? Mark Adams or the bigger guy? Uh, Davis is the big guy. Fletcher, Kyle Fletcher's the, uh, the skinnier. Guy. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys have it. Like they have that, that perfect, like little guy. Who's not too little. And then the big guy who's the bruiser who comes in and bruises, bruises stuff. I thought, I thought they wrestled in a fantastic match. I thought they made a statement for their future that night. Like that was, this is a really good match. And I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't have too high hopes for it. I thought it was going to be a squash match, but even like they, they did the, uh, sorry, not the big rig. <laughs> it's shatter <laughs> machine. Yeah. So they even did the shatter machine. Like, Usually, if you're going to book somebody, you don't book a tag team to do the other tag team's like finishing move unless the other tag team has a say in it. So I think FTR was in for it as well. I think they just signed. I think they could they could make a they could make a major impact moving forward, if you ask me. Um, Josh, what were your thoughts on Aussie Open in this match in general? I mean, Aussie Open isn't somebody, uh, you know, somebody, if you, if you haven't watched a lot of NJBW that we've seen a lot of, we've seen them out with Will Ospreay. They've signed a deal with their, with AEW. They're all elite, um, moving forward. Um, where, where do you think they stand, um, moving kind of the same question to Chris, like, are they an upper echelon tag team after this performance? And was this make or break for them? Uh, I don't think it was make or break for them. I think that they uh, definitely did exactly what they needed to do to advance through this company. I mean, no one expects them to beat FTR. They just lost the ROH titles um, to Adam Cole and MJF. I th- I think they're a fantastic tag team, and I love the addition to the tag roster because you know a good tag roster gets you good storylines. I was cut. Matt and I we were talking about the um, four way tag match. And I, I said, I hope that I, I thought that the guns could win because I, I didn't think that they would book uh, Young Bucks FTR again so quickly. And so I was a little bit disappointed uh, with that result. But I knew I, I had I knew that FTR was going to win this match because it didn't make sense for Aussie Open to win. I, I thought they did a great job against FTR. It was exactly what it needed to be. The, I, my favorite spot in the match was when uh, they set up uh, with the uh, with Cash flying off the top ropes after Dax did the superplex, and then um, the uh, this sorry I forget the guys Fletcher is it when Fletcher jumped off the top rope and cross bodied uh, Dax into it. It was a, that was a really high spot for me, and I just. 
yeah, it was a really it was a really well done match, and I, it had a lot of like very good you know close finishes and all those things. So I I, I was I was really impressed, and I think that Aussie Open's just solidifying their spot on the roster. It would be too soon for them to get a title. It didn't make sense the way to be booked that way. It was a perfect match to get them into the story again later. Yeah, I personally feel that this was make or break for them in a lot of cases. And I don't mean make or break like the sense that they can never come back from it because Kyle Fletcher's really young. Um, Davis, Mark Davis, I don't even know how old he is if somebody wants to look it up, but he looks like he's like 45 with that beard and that mullet, whatever he has. But Kyle Fletcher's kind of, uh, you know, fun fact about Kyle Fletcher. He's also dating Sky Blue, just to let everybody know. Um, if you didn't know that, if you don't know, now you know. Um, but He's 33, Matt. Davis is 33. Holy geez. He looks like he's 40 something, but that's probably just because yeah. he's a bigger guy and co- oh, wow, crazy. Anywho, um, I like the work that they did with United Empire and I felt that they were really strong and a stable. I, I feel that I felt that when they signed uh, with the AW that they were going to be, um, what's the word kind of floundering without that stable. If that's what it is, they, they don't talk as much. I, I personally, like, when you talk about Aussie Open, I think of tennis, so I think it's just, for me, it's not a, a tag team name that really sticks. Um, you know, the other Aussies that are in NJPW, when you think of the Mighty Don't Kneel, um, or what is it, uh, TMDK, right? Um, there's a lot of culture that comes from the Aussies, and I feel like when you're kind of going through, I think a lot of them has to kind of get away from the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi stuff. Um, just for me, it, it was hot, though. That, it, it was hot, hot in the crowd. It's hot for them. It's just it's just overdone, in my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong. I'm just giving you my opinion. Um, at the end of the day, though, FTR and them did the smartest thing that they possibly could, which was something that we alluded to two weeks ago. There is not enough good tag teams in AEW, and you've solidified them now as a team that can step in and fight. Josh, I'm with you 100%. I wanted the Guns to win that match more than anything because I kind of wanted the Bucks to go in a little bit later towards the end of the year. Maybe at full gear, maybe past full gear. Um, but Josh, what were your thoughts? On like the rating? Uh, no, I thought. Sorry, I thought you had general. your hand up in the. Uh, in the, oh, in the thing. <laughs> no, sorry. I no, I I like I said, we we spoke about it. I just think that like they just had the Bucks and FTR yeah. and I'm just not ready for it again. That's all it was. Is I and I think that the guns made perfect sense because the other two teams didn't make sense to me like Hook and Orange Cassidy. That's not a team that challenges for the title. That's just a fun team. I mean, you, you might have them challenge for the title, but I didn't think they were going to win. Oh, they so. were they were filler I, for I, sure and then yeah. you had Phoenix with the international title too, right? Like I I totally agree with that statement. Totally yeah, I was also sense. a little bit like, I don't, do I want to see the Bucks again against FTR? Like they just did a program. And so I don't know. I thought, I thought it was going to be down to the guns or I, I actually thought the guns are going to win. I was telling Josh, Joshua really wanted the guns to win. And when we were talking last night, I said, well, I said, if you look at the, the money line, basically bucks were minus a hundred to win it. <laughs> Or minus one fifteen, right? So, um, yeah, and 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 the thing about wrestling when you're looking at betting lines is usually they happen like eighty five percent of the time they happen. Um, but that's the reality of what it was. Now, a good match overall, uh, Chris. What would you rate it if you had to give it a letter rating? Which match are we talking? The four way? Uh, no, the uh, the tag match with FTR and Aussie Open. Yo, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a B plus. Josh, what'd you rate it? Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, I had it at a B. So, yeah, we're pretty much there. Um, actually, I'd probably give it a B plus. I think it was better than that. I, my favorite, my favorite move was when they did the Doomsday to Viper with the kick. That was my favorite one. Now we're going to talk to what most people will think is the match of the night, and probably a match that hopefully we see again in the near future at some point. But. Um, a match that I don't think we've ever really seen in our day and age, uh, which was between Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Now, no titles on the line for this one. Zack Sabre Jr. is the NJPW, the first ever NJPW uh, World Television Champion. Um, hasn't lost the title yet, so he's still the only guy that's ever held that belt. Um, but this was just labeled as a dream match. And um, basically, this, is, this was a battle between the two best technical wrestlers on planet Earth. 
And oh my god, it did not disappoint. The build-up was slow and methodical. There was finger manipulation, joint manipulation. There was at one point, there was a hip toss turned into an abdominal stretch. There was a dragon screw leg whip which looked like somebody like basically Zack Sabre Jr. blew out his foot. But the crazy part about the match was when you're thinking about storytelling, stories in books kind of always follow, in many cases, the same strategy. It's a slow rising action into the climax, and then we have the descending action. The climax was just violence. And that was the greatest part about this. This was a match that was supposed to be a masterclass about mat technicians, and it was. And the violence was all done on the mat, which was fantastic. Chris, was this your match of the night, yes or no? Um, and was this probably the best technical mat wrestling match that you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> it it would have been if it wasn't on Highway 17 when, I, when it went down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was driving home from McPherson's house uh, in Lively. So I, I didn't see, I actually didn't see this match. I can only imagine. So McPherson kind of kept me abreast to it. And uh, yeah, it seemed good. Sorry, sorry. Don't mean to, don't mean to burst your bubble, but I didn't see it. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, filling in after Josh. What were you? So, anyways, Josh, I got a funny one for you. If we take okay, episode I eight, if, if we, sure. okay, good. If you <laughs> if you take episode eighteen as a podcast, and we were turning into a drinking game with how many times Chris has said the word McPherson today, do you think you'd be drunk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't drank in two years, so quite possibly. Awesome. Josh, what were your thoughts on this match? Do you agree with what I said, or do you think something distant? Was this an instant classic or what? Oh, yeah. I mean, so this is the match that a wrestling, pure wrestling fan would enjoy. A casual fan might struggle with, but it was master class. I agree with you. It had uh, everything I wanted in it. It was... It's almost hard to describe because when you watch it, it's kind of like it was like a dance and it was very, but a brutal dance, like, you know, a war with dance moves. How about that? I don't know. But just the way that they're trans, the the transitions are really what does it for me in these matches, because like the holds, they're great and seeing them, but seeing them move in between different holds and seeing you know moves that you don't typically see i don't know how the announcers keep up with with all of the different types of moves that are happening i'm just like okay i've heard omoplata like six times and i know what that is and then i was like i don't know what that the octopus oh my goodness i i just it was something that you don't get to see in wrestling very often and for the the fact that they both can do it that well makes it even better because they got to play off of each other and they still had that brutality and, you know, some, you know, traditional wrestling moves. So I just thought, you know, A plus, S, S minus, S plus, I don't know what, what's good. But, you know, if we're using an A plus scale, A plus for me. I think we yeah. know what I'm going to be watching later. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I'll, I'll have a, I have another question for you, Chris, that'll come up in a second. But when you're looking at this, I think, like, what really summed up this whole match for me was Daniel Bryan's, like, post-match speech that he gave where he was actually very emotional about it he was actually crying and saying like that's the match that he's always wanted to have in his career you know and uh i think like you really felt for it when you really see it because like you know danielson is probably one of the most genuine people on planet earth i mean i don't know like i mean but when you're looking at somebody from you know a celebrity perspective where you're watching somebody on tv and you're just looking at somebody who's genuine that's who you really think of right and i love the fact at the end of the match that he went to shake that he went to offer the handshake Zack Sabre Jr. refuses the handshake. He says, even though he was submitted, says, I never tapped. Um, we're going to have to do this again in Japan or England. You pick where you want to go, but those are the two places we're going to fight and do this again. I, I I can't wait to see it. I don't care. Love it. <laughs> I don't Love care it, if it's yeah. at Wembley. Like, if that ends up being Daniel Bryan's last, or sorry, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson's last match. I'm turning into JR here, guys. JR. <laughs> you did it. You did it twice. Yeah, it's just force of habit. But Brian Danielson's, um, you know, last match, if it ends up being Wembley and it's against Zack Sabre Jr. and that's the match we get to see, oh, my God, what a, what an end to a career that would be. That's uh, just something unbelievable that I think if we were to see that again. Um, would any of us be upset over that? I don't think no. so. No. I say, well, you, I say you tell me what I you think you s- once you've watched the match, right? 
Well, once I actually watch a match, but if you think about what they can do and then if they if they play that back and that's his last match of his career, like that's 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 not bad at all. That's big for both of them. I think it's big for Zack Sabre Jr. too. I don't think because he's been in NJPW so long, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for the North Amer- from North Americans for what happens. And that guy, that's a guy there that deserves his flowers. He's been around a long time to do the stuff that he's been doing. Now, my last question to basically end this is that we talked about best technical wrestler on the planet. Now, Chris, if you had to go to the WWE or anywhere else, but I'd prefer if you picked the WWE. I think if you were to think WWE and you were to think, who could put on one person on any of the show that could actually, you know, kind of match these two? Who do you think it would be if you had to pick one? I'm actually, I'm really, this is more of my interest than anything, not for our fans listening. I just, I'm really interested to hear on what you have to say. Is this current? Current. It has to be somebody on the roster right now or somebody that just got released because there was like 100 people that just got released, right? It can't uh, be Bret Hart, Chris. No, I know. I got it. It would be Owen Hart, by the way, if if it was my yeah. <laughs> uh, close I, enough. I'd say I'd say Gable. Gable could probably pull something like this off, or or Ziggler. Josh, what would you say? Okay, only because I really like his finger manipulation, Butch. Actually, he wouldn't be too bad either. I think he's pretty... He's not... I don't think he's on the level technically, but I think submission-wise he is. You'd be surprised who I would say. Actually, Chris, when I was thinking about this 10 minutes ago, my when I was thinking of this question, um, Gable was the first person that came to my mind. But now, the more that I start thinking of it, minute past minute, second by second goes on, I, it's it's Gunter for me. That's a good... I, yeah, that's I think good. if you were to put those in, and I don't think Gunter has been able to show his technical ability for what he's doing he's playing more of a roughneck style but he's unbelievable on the mat and i think like when you saw with with what we saw the technical ability when him and gable fought i think it'd be really interesting to see him and you know um daniel go at it or like even gunter and saber jr would be crazy I, I i just wish everybody would be able to fight each other it'd be great I just wish people like because we both we both said gable right like i wish people could see how good gable is yeah, and you know what? And he's more than, and that's the problem with, you know, one of the things that I hate about WWE is that you end up being your catchphrase. And like, shoosh, you know, it's great for the fans because you're dealing with a younger audience and you're dealing with different people and they think it's funny. But at the end of the day, his technical ability far surpasses any of that, right? Like, it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see what they can do when they have creative freedom. And I think that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the challenge that we see between both places. One place is a production company, the other one is, um, you know more about the product and more about you know creative control at that point so that's basically our uh you know kickoff for wrestle dream and what we've done for wrestle dream just banger after banger after banger i mean um we kind of missed swerve and hangman that was another one that we could talk about that was another pretty much a b plus and a match that's uh one that we might uh we'll be hearing more from swerve and hangman in the future that was a pretty solid match but josh what slice is your salami? Okay, before I do my slice of my salami, I want to I want to take back, walk back some comments I made on Swerve Strickland because I am impressed with what he is doing now, and I think that he'll he will be AEW's first Black Champion, and I think he deserves that. So, oh, that's um, that's not bad. I I I think you I you might be onto something there. Um, okay. So uh, tonight in what slices my salami, uh, you know what really slices my salami? Uh, the fact that the championship belt is a formidable weapon. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I can understand, but it's not like, I mean, I guess is it made out of metal? I'm not sure. But the way that they hit them, it doesn't look very formidable. And uh, yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, it, I'd rather them whip them with it. That looks a lot. That looks a lot better. But to like come up with like, Here's my, you know, I don't know. Anyways, uh, the fact that a championship belt is a formidable weapon. That it's really made of gold, body. Josh. It's made of gold. It's soft. I've held one. Remember Kareem? Kareem? Oh, don't talk, don't talk about us about Kareem. <laughs> Kareem. We're going to get kicked like, off anyways. the airways if we talk about Kareem. <laughs> it's fine. He can say what he said, but we can't. So, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Remember when we held his belt? Like, how much, that's what I'm saying. How, is much, did, like, how much did this cost? He's like... 
You don't want to know. <laughs> it was like six hundred dollars. Those yeah, things are like six, six to eight hundred dollars. Kenny King, yeah. you broke ass. <laughs> Remember we were talking shit to Prince Nana, just smashing <laughs> on the boards and shit. Do you ever see? Do you ever see those? Like the guy's got like a TikTok and he's got like a, a thousand belts in his room. Yeah, I've seen and it. it's just like it's like look at all these belts, and I'm just like, huh, that's uh, like forty thousand dollars right there. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Chris. Anything else to add before we close out? Oh, uh, what do we got? Uh, what do we got coming up? Nothing. I got a little autism baseball tournament coming up next weekend. That's about it. Um, that's it. What do you guys got going on? Moving forward. Josh, what do you got going on? Uh, my strike is over, and I am glad to be back at work. Uh, back to some normalcy. Uh, and uh, ordered a couple pairs of shoes waiting for those to come in and getting the deck done soon. So I am hoping that I have a, my deck done by next summer and uh, can actually enjoy my yard. Oh, that's good. Are you still coming down on the weekend? Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I, I would like to go play some cards at uh, Woodbine if, yeah. I should be able to if, join if you I now. Might... Do you know why? Okay. Do you know why? Uh because you're not a broke ass. Because oh, Bill Kazmaier won the not, world's strongest man. Not, not until last night, but Chris, I had, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to promote any casinos to be an 18 plus podcast. But Not unless they had, sponsor us. I had the uh, I had the second biggest slot win in my career yesterday at uh, at 12.35 p.m. or a.m. Well, that's a big one. $1,300. How big was it? $1,300? Yeah. Holy shit. You, buy me a bus ticket like when we went to so, uh, we went to Fallsview together <laughs> oh my for the God. degree, to, the you, degree you, poker tournament me and Chris <laughs> go to the degree so this is a funny story for the pod me and Chris go to the degree poker championships it's basically a free roll you have to sign on on TSN to go and then we basically go and then Chris is like yeah I'm he's coming from Ottawa I'm coming from somebody who's like We'll meet up in uh we'll meet up at the uh the bus station Toronto. in Toronto. Toronto. So we get ready and like you can just buy your, your tickets from Toronto Niagara Falls, nothing. Chris goes, Hey man, can you buy my bus ticket? <laughs> ah. I go, uh yeah, I can because we got the hotel coming up anyways. He goes, Yeah, yeah. He's like, It's all good. We got the money from the hotel. So me and Chris go, we sit in like day one A. And then both Chris, out, gets knocked, both right Chris, Chris gets knocked. Chris gets knocked out, and then two hands later, I get knocked out, and then we're just like, "Yeah, let's just go back to the room and order pizza." And that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went home the next day. Yeah, pretty. I much. haven't played cards in a long time, so I don't think I'm going to do very well. Probably sit one, two. That's it. Ah, uh, you know what? You should take a tour of the casino before you go. It's a nice. Uh, we're like I said, we're not promoting, but it's nice. But uh, yeah, if you do make it down for the long weekend, yeah, you got a place to stay. So. Yeah, I'd probably just come up Saturday, come home Sunday, so I'll let you know. That's fine. More than more than welcome to do that. Um, so anyways, with that being said, I think we're all said and done here. I think that's pretty much it. So no matter what happens, wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you to hear from the Rub Wrestling Pod. Um, bang!